The podcast world is growing bigger every day and Himalaya wants to help you navigate it. Himalaya is a brand new podcast app where you can find every single podcast you love and some future faves. Whether you're a podcaster or a fan, Himalaya has got your back. Discover personally curated playlists and show your favorite podcasters some love with Himalaya's tip jar. It's free, it's the easiest to use, and they are adding cool new features every day. Go to your app store, download Himalaya, that's H-I-M-A-L-A-Y-A, and don't forget to follow Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries once you're there. What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode number 130 of Uncovering Unexplained Mysteries for Saturday, March 2nd, 2019. We're already into uh, what the early bits of spring, I think. Is, isn't that where spring falls in line? I don't know. Anyway, I'm here with my co-host, Mike. How you doing, Mike? How you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Doing a lot better than the uh, millennials and uh, centennials that decided to uh, waste all this money to go to a music festival Mike, that never I don't, happened. I don't know if you realize this or not, but uh, you know, well, first of all, we're going to be talking about the Fire uh, Festival and uh, the fraudulent ass uh, festival that it was on this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Mike love fraud cases. We talk about yes. the. We talk about the show Unsolved Mysteries a lot. And this is arguably one of the uh, most high-profile fraud cases in the past decade, easily. Yeah, probably so. I mean, unless you want to count Bernie Madoff, but that's not in the last decade, I don't think. That was in the 2000 and whatever. Anyway, we cover Unsolved Mysteries, the show from the 90s, and, and some of our favorite segments are the fraud cases. And I guess it's just like I love when... I love seeing the fraudsters um, put up the facade of something that is authentic. I love seeing the facade and seeing the how how do they twist it and how do they manipulate people to believe that what they're selling is actually realistic. And then I love when it takes you behind the scenes and shows you just how fake and full of shit it really was. Like, if we're talking about Unsolved Mysteries, the log cabin fraud is still one of my most favorite frauds because... You know, it's it's like he was selling this plot of land and he even had the log cabin shells at this site, but it was all complete bullshit. This is like that times God times 10 at least. Yeah. Um, And there's just so many things. It's not even multiplied by 100. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, (laughs) and there's so there's so many uh, just aspects to this. One of the things I find funny is is uh, this term influencer that you hear a lot yeah. on social media and how they when they interview some of the influencers in this documentary because we're talking about fire fraud we're not talking about fire we haven't seen that one I've heard that it's good too and I've heard from certain critics that it's better than fire fraud but knowing that members uh, from fuck Jerry uh, who are the ones that were involved the company that was involved with uh, promoting this festival our co-producers of that documentary i don't know i kind of want to stay away from that documentary i don't i don't i kind of don't want to touch it with the 10 meter cattle prod i think it just sounds like it's just going to be nowhere near as uh balanced as this one was and i know some people are going to look at well this was pretty unbalanced too but i don't know I, i think this this covered both sides pretty well i thought this documentary or, or this this whole subject matter of like influencers and this fuck Jerry Instagram page that started off 
putting out memes and then it became a marketing company and then Billy McFarlane and, and you know, a festival, which is already kind of douchey in and of itself. And like millennials and cent was it centennials? The one. That, yeah. Yeah. Millennial and centennials. There's the, all of this smacks of douchery on the highest level. And it, well, it, yeah. And so does influencer. Right. Like, Even like, the I term mean, influencer, which I don't know if you know this, Mike, but we are technically influencers. Yeah, technically. I mean, just like we're also millennials. From from the ad reads that I've had to do on here every now and then, it it, it literally even says influencer talking points. Uh huh. And, and it's like, yeah. oh god, don't don't call me an influencer. You feel dirty, right? It's it's just douchey. <laughs> the whole thing is so douchey. This this documentary, Fire Fraud, on Hulu. If you have Hulu, you can go check it out. This encapsulates why every generation before us hates millennials. And yes. I guess centennials, which honestly, it's I think it's too early to be throwing that term around because I, I think a lot of people don't even haven't even thought about the generation after millennials yet. But hey, I think they should. They should because a lot of them brought. There were probably a good chunk of them that actually went to fire. Well, and they're all, all they're all of age, or not all, but a lot of them are of age now. I mean, it's it, yeah. millennials is what like nineteen seventy seven to nineteen ninety six is a millennial. Nineteen ninety five. I heard it was ninety six, but sure, we'll go with ninety five. So. Uh, there's a lot of people at this point who were born. I mean, you could have, you could technically be born in the year 2001 and be of age now. Yep. Fuck. So yeah, I mean, if you were age influencer, what? if you were an influencer and you were young, well, shit. If you're age like 25 or 26 and below, you're a centennial. Mm -hmm. God, 25 or 26. The millennials are aging up, man. Like we're 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 getting up there. Like you have to be, you know. I mean, you're still young. You could still be young and be considered a millennial, but uh, it's you know. But anyway, like this documentary and everything about it is like me as a technically a millennial. It's it's like I'm looking at this going like I hate I I hate this culture. Like I hate this uh, this whole like uh, you know. They're they're harping on the Instagram thing and they're talking about how millennials Well, they actually interviewed some of the influencers and they're talking about their brand and I oh, cringe God, so hard. I know that them the Yeah, their brand. So so basically like they're talking about how Instagram specifically it, millennials are, are and they're saying this and I believe this hundred percent. Millennials are more interested in in kind of uh, manufacturing uh, a, a a scene in which they are they can take a, a photo op to post on Instagram to make it look like they're having the best time in the world. They're young, attractive, having a great time, and you're not. Uh, and that's when they introduce this term FOMO, FOMO fear of missing mm -hmm. out. And this is something I've 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 known of this term for a long time now. And this is something I I don't want to say suffered from. That's so fucking melodramatic, but it's something that bugged me a lot growing up. I always had this fear that everybody else outside of my bubble was having so much better of a time in life than I was. And I was missing out on all these fun. So experiences. basically what that term is, is a update of the grass is greener, you know, on the other side type type of term. That's like, it's like an update of that, but yeah. for like a new generation. So you have like, all these beautiful young people who have taken to to Instagram and they've capitalized on other people's, you know, fear of missing out yeah. or, 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 or they, 
you know, people who are intrigued by the jet setter lifestyle. It's like these 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 opportunists uh, have taken Instagram and they built these huge careers off of having millions of followers like yep. Ka- Caitlyn Jenner or whatever. And okay, yeah, um, yeah, Kylie I think Jenner, uh, Kendall, Kendall, Kendall Jenner, whoever the fuck. One of the, they're all <laughs> Caitlyn awful. Caitlyn Jenner is this the is Bruce who had oh. you know the sex change. <laughs> oh yeah, well, that's that's a little different than the person I was trying to reference. Yes. Yeah, a uh, slightly different person, but <laughs> but yeah, it's like. I mean, I will give it to millennials and centennials. Uh, they they have really like figured marketing out very oh, very well. I mean, they they have really found a I mean, way to Kendall Jenner. You know, is is getting two hundred fifty grand per post. You know, from from adver- from advertising companies and stuff like that. Yeah. So these people so. and a lot of these people you haven't heard of, and neither have I. Uh, you, no, like, I didn't if, hear about any of the people that were interviewed. Yeah. The influencers. Until now, and I was just like, oh my God. Yeah, all these people, all these big influencers, they're literally just people who won the genetic lottery. They're more attractive than you or I, and they just post pictures of themselves. And they have money. It seems like they already had money beforehand. Yeah, to begin with, yeah. And and, and that's what they... So these people are the new... Honestly, there it's the beginning of the new Hollywood celebrity. The new celebrity. It's yep. it's not gonna be the Tom Cruises and the Nicole Kidmans how it was when you and I were growing I mean, up. Look how popular Logan Paul was. Yeah, and probably you know? still is. Yeah. I mean not you, as popular after the Suicide Forest. Yeah, he's still yeah. super popular though. I mean millions of, of views. Jake is actually more popular than him now, his brother his younger well, brother. Well, I guess if you don't film a, a dead body in Japan's Suicide Forest, <laughs> you're gonna be more popular by default. You're just gonna look better by proxy. Yeah. But Or you, someone like fucking Rice Gum, who like he just he just has all this money now and I guess he just flaunts it and it's just fucking annoying. That guy seems like the, the like all of these people are vapid morons. They they, they don't yeah. have, they don't have an intelligent thought in their fucking skull they just well, have, i mean listen to how they explain their brand in this documentary right so that's not even a brand right that leads me to my next thing so these 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 beautiful people these instagram influencers the future of what i think is going to be celebrity the future celebrities they are interviewed in this documentary and you know this whole this whole word your brand is brandished about a lot nowadays uh i could you know me and mike could technically say you know, oh, well, I don't want to post uh, a political viewpoint on our Twitter page because it's going to hurt our brand. Yeah. Now, our brand is Uncovering and Explained Mysteries. Uh, it's it's a podcast. It's, a, you know, we have T-shirts. It is a fucking brand. We have a logo. That is something that is more tangible to understand. When you have an Instagram influencer who has two million followers and they're they're you know, as as Paris Hilton was put, famous for being famous. What what is your brand? Your face? And so they were asking these vapid morons what their brand was, and they're like, uh, well, I think just you know, uh, putting out positive vibes and just all these like kind of buzzwords. And I'm just, yeah. like, I'm cringing the whole time as I'm watching this. I'm yeah, like, I, I'm I like, too, I'm yeah. like, this is my, this is my generation. And granted, they're vapid morons in every generation that were you know, thrust up, you know, the flagpole celebrity. But good Lord, like, it feels like there's... I don't know, they seem really young. They might have been centennial. Well, e- either two. way, yeah, probably were. Um, I mean, either way, I, I mean, I, 
and you know, youth and there's something to be said about being young and stupid. And, but man, when I was their age, I was not that stupid. I was not that, I, I was always curious and hungry for knowledge at, 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 you know, since I was a kid, I was always, they might be, they might be smarter than you think. Well, I mean, they're smarter than I think know, when it comes to marketing. That's for goddamn yeah, sure. I'm ta- they're that's smarter than me. About. They're smarter than yeah. me when it comes to marketing. I haven't been able to market shit, and I, I actually have talent. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I'm a really good guitar player. I'm a really good bass player. I'm a you know I I, I release high production, uh, entertaining YouTube videos, and I haven't been able to get sh- you know hardly any traction. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm I'm fucking awful you at don't marketing. Have the look. Yeah, which is crazy because I'm not. And a, you don't I, have the following. It's funny because like I don't even consider myself a bad looking guy. I mean, it's just how you're ba- not really. That's just how bad I am at marketing myself or what? Because <laughs> I refuse to be a douche, and and you really have to uh, relent to the douche factor, uh, and mm-hmm. and and just and I just feel like I don't know. I just don't res- just be called the douche festival. Yeah, pretty much. I just don't respect <laughs> anybody with that whole that whole like jargon of now that whole like modern. You know, uh, it's fire, bro, and that's savage, and you know all this other kind of shit. I just don't respect any of that. You're just basically telling me that, like, I am a product of my time. I can't think outside of this specific time period that I am in. The music I like, the way I dress, the way I talk, everything uh, is it's not. That's that's not something that's new. I mean, people did that in the '80s. People that did that in the '90s. People did that in 2000s. Right. I, I'm people not saying it's new, but I'm saying anybody who who like the deeper you are in what is happening today, the less intelligent you are. Cause that shows me that oh, it's either less intelligent or less interesting you are as a person. Cause it shows me that yeah, you I don't wouldn't say less intelligent. I would just say less interesting. Well, because it's like you, you don't have your own identity, w- way of speaking, way of whatever. You don't have your own identity. You, yeah, your identity so you're just, is everyone else's. Yeah. You're co-opting whatever the thing is now. You might not even like, the music of now. Well, that happens. That happens with movies. Like, you know, I'll get crap from people who don't even, like, ultimately like something. But because there's all these other people that like it so much, because I don't like it, then I deserve to get, you know, railed on. Because I'm I'm poking their bubble, and they get uh, defensive about it. I remember I was playing pool the other day with, the, with this, you know blue-collar dude who was probably uh, or either my age or younger. So he's, you know, early 30s, late 20s. And you could tell that he was just, you know, your average guy. There was nothing, you know, I was throwing out jokes and he wasn't laughing and I was trying to, you know, be my, me and he just was he was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh-huh, oh boy. He just wasn't really saying much and, you know, he, he just, he didn't seem all that bright to me. So I was having a conversation. There was another person at the pool table and somehow dubstep got brought up the music genre. And I said, man, I remember thinking dubstep was so cool when I heard it. And then I remember going to the beach and all the frat boy bros were blasting dubstep from their big jacked up trucks. And that's how I knew dubstep had uh, jumped the shark. And then the guy I was playing pool with the, the, the uh, average, you know, thinking person, he goes, well, yeah, it was the new music at the time. And I'm like thinking to myself, so? That doesn't mean you you have to listen to it. That doesn't mean, yeah. you know, so what? It was new. I'm not surprised by what he said, though. I mean, because it's honestly true. Yeah, but just because something's new, that means that automatic. Okay, this is the new music. Got to put fill my tape deck up well, with just some, this. They, well, that's some gotta people Got to blast this at the beach. That's, 
That's a good chunk of people. For I don't you. have my that's own that. music I like. I don't have my own identity. So this is the new thing. So I want to fit in. <laughs> hey, everybody at the beach, look how how look how much I'm fitting in with the the tribe. L- listen, I know how, that's how that's how it appears, and that's true. Yeah, but it's it's not like it's something that's like not a normal occurrence. I mean, none of this like comes as a surprise to me. I'm not like just finding out about any of this like cultural shit. I, I just feel like I have to lay the groundwork to this documentary right. by I would say like this is this is my advice. <laughs> I would say we could, you know, maybe save this for like uh, after cuz like yeah, we're laying groundwork, but then it's like it seems like we're not like getting right into it. And some people will kind of be like get to the fire festival already. Eh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Um, I want to do as little editing as possible, so I may do that. I may not. If you're listening to this right now and it's uh, what at the uh, like 16 minute mark, then just know I haven't edited anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this fire festival. Uh, before we go into that little brief story about the organizers, uh, you got Billy McFarland, who no one has heard of. And you got rapper Ja Smug son of a bitch. Yeah. They got rapper Ja Rule, who... I hate him after watching this. Oh, yeah. And knowing everything oh, about yeah. this fucking document. You know, knowing everything about Fire Festival and his place in it. And it was so, it was such great justice. When I think he went to like a concert recently. He, he was, he was a part of a concert recently. He didn't go to the concert. He actually went on stage and he's trying to get people to, you know, cheer or applaud or whatever. Like he comes on stage and no, like the whole, like, it's like a pretty big crowd and it's just silence. And it was just perfect. Which is funny because that's the response he would have gotten even before this happened because Ja Rule has been irrelevant for at least the last decade. Yeah. At least. But like even more so now. Like you can't even do like, oh, nostalgia, you know, stuff. Yeah, you can't yeah, come he back can't, he and can't, get the nostalgia he, he's uh, not, jerk off. He's not going to be able to jump on the uh, It's 2004 Again tour with the Black Eyed Peas and, uh, you, you know, Cisco and no. DMX. You know, he's not going to be able to jump on that, th- that now because he's... He's yeah, he's a, he's he, tainted. He's tainted. And of course, he's doing the whole, you know, hands in the air with the fingers spread. I didn't have anything to do with this. This wasn't my fault, you know, but it's like guilty by association. But then he gets motherfucker. Drunk on a show on a podcast and then admits that, you know, he definitely had something to do with it. Pretty much, you know, these are just all selfish, narcissistic, awful people in this whole thing. They're just all awful yes. people. And that's the lesson. That's that's the main point. I mean, about except for the people that were interviewed, you know, the legal experts and the other people who were, you know, working on the fire festival and still haven't gotten paid for well, it. Yeah, and, of course. You know, some of the people that went to fire festival, I don't think they're all awful people or, or idiots. I think some people are just were just really naive, and they they fell for this wave of. Uh, trying to you know be a part of the in crowd, you know that they've just it's just something that they just fell into and they had a hard time getting out of, and it's that whole fear of missing out thing. Yeah, and I think they have their own sort of uh, problems. You know what's uh, funny about like mo- psychologically and definitely with dealing with uh, depression and things like that. What's funny about like my mindset is I know my mindset is different than a lot of people's because if if one of these people were to hear this, what I just said about all these people, they look at it and be like, oh, my God, what a negative asshole. He probably yep. hates his life. You know, uh-huh. uh, I, we're just trying to have fun and, and you know, and, and, and turn up and all this, that and the other. And this guy's just blah, blah. And it's just. It's funny to me because it's like, 
Yeah, you're right. I do have a different mindset and it's more along the lines of like, you know, uh, I'm into like kind of enriching deep experiences that mean something. I'm not into it's fire, son. Yeah, dog. It's hot. It's savage. Keep it 100. Actually, if it actually did happen for real, then it would have been an immersive experience. Yeah, it would have been been a one of a kind thing. So a little brief backstory on Billy McFarlane. He's basically this kind of like business uh, or he's a professional con artist. He's a professional con artist. But even from childhood, he showed um, uh, this. I, I, I love his mom trying to defend oh, him. Oh, yeah, I know. You know. Of course, she's going to do that. But like he's building him up like ever since he was a kid, you know, he was he was ahead of the curve. He was uh, he finished his times tables, you know, when he was three or something. You know, he was scuba diving when he was 10. Yeah, it, I mean, basically this guy, uh, the best way I could describe it, he he was a hustler from a young age. He learned how to hustle yeah. people. He learned the game. Mm-hmm. He learned... He, he did it with crayons. Huh? He did it with crayons. Crayons. Oh, I thought you said cra- yeah. crayons, like C-R-A-N-Z. Yeah, I did. Some people say it the way you did, and other people say it the way I did. Really, so. crayons? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. I, I, I'm <laughs> I'm learning our cultural differences are becoming more vast, Mike. I find it harder to relate to you. <laughs> I'm like I'm like uh, the guy in American Psycho, and you're the bum in the alley, and I'm like opening my briefcase. I'm like I can't relate to you, and then I just like bash you over the head with well, whatever. That, well, that's a good uh, relation. That's a good uh, reference to bring up because Billy McFarland is a textbook sociopath. That's true. But anyway, Billy McFarlane, you know, t- just frat douche looking guy. Um, even in the documentary that I am so surprised he even decided to show his face on that yeah. Hulu documentary. I'm surprised, too, because he 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 looks guilty as hell. Yeah, And they made him look like a complete the complete moron that he was like they they yep. shined the light on his ass and he was squirming like a whore in church. Like he was just. Yep. He was uncomfortable. They were asking him all these like pointed questions that and he's trying to be like, oh, I can't answer yeah, that. Yeah. And he just stare this like blank stare for like yeah. 30 seconds. And he just kind of shrug his shoulders and be like, well, I mean, you know, I can't really speak on that. And uh, it's it's and then the whole thing where it's like, I got to take a 10 minute break. And then the, and the interviewer is like, uh, so you can come up with something else. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to, I wanted like, to no. literally strangle this motherfucker through the screen because he's such a douche. He's such he's a smug son of a bitch. Yeah, he's a smug cunt. He's one of these frat douche kind of type guys who's just always trying to hustle. And he just it's like you have no heart. You have no soul. It's like, dude, show some kind of human emotion where we can relate to you in any it's way. Because he's a fucking sociopath. Yeah. He's learned how he has no uh, genuine sense of empathy you can tell i mean look how quickly he went back to his fraud schemes after he was already indicted and he was on he was actually on bail (laughs) so it the documentary starts off explaining this guy billy mcfarland and how he started his first venture magnesis which was basically this um it was basically like he even admitted he spelled it wrong which i thought was funny too (laughs) he basically took like a slab of like uh i don't know uh titanium or metal it was some kind of metal slab and he cut it out in the shape of a call like a debit card or credit card and he put a magnetic tape on the back and like copied his debit info to this magnetic tape and he walked around with this metal card because you don't get a metal credit card unless you're like, you know, some 
you know, higher upper crust, big you're spender. You're part of the elite. Yeah, you're part of the elite. Uh, this guy used to come into my work when I worked at CVS, and he'd always pay with a titanium Visa card, and it was black, and it was, you know, oh, <laughs> look at look at this guy. So Billy McFarland Magnesis is his first venture. It's this, it's this basically this credit card that had an insanely high annual fee. And you would get all these benefits. The saying was you would unlock this, your, your city and, and live a better life or something like that. And it, it was trying to appeal to uh, New York specifically. Yeah, he was appealing to, you know, these, these, I guess, younger people who wanted to look the part of having wealth and status and stature. Just, just shallow people. People who pro, uh, yeah. put th- material possessions over... You and know, the, one of the big selling points was a townhouse. Yeah, there's this like exclusive little townhouse you could hang out in, and 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 it t- it ended up being you know he ended up over promising on pretty much everything, and it ended up just kind of you know not really being that great of a thing. Although he he even said like he sold like a hundred thousand cards, but really it was only like five to seven thousand or something. Um. And even in the documentary, like he's grilled by the interviewer about this, and he said, "Well, you said like that they sold like uh, uh, ten hundred thousand cards. That's not true, right?" It's like, "No, uh, it's ten thousand. So even he fu- fucked the numbers. That he fudged the number. Like he he can't stop lying. Yeah, he cannot stop lying. Cannot stop trying to con people. Even when he's on camera, and it's there's there's court documents that say exactly how many." cards were sold and it was not 10,000. So the festival, the fire festival was organized by Billy McFarland and Ja Rule to promote the fire music booking app. Now I should say Billy met Ja Rule, uh, through when he was doing his magnesis thing, he wanted to get, you know, again, influencers. He wanted to get, you know, rappers, whoever to Rick Ross. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, exactly. To rock his shit. So that's how he became associated with Ja Rule. He probably paid him a shit ton of money to, you know, rock his, you know, stupid card. And then, you know, he became friendly and schmoozed with him. Basically like what happens in Washington, but, you know, was happening here. Yep. So it was organized by Billy McFarlane and Ja Rule to promote the Fire Music Booking app. Now, the Fire Music app was kind of the first thing. It was basically a Tinder or a social media uh, dating site, but for celebrities and not dating. Uh, so it's really nothing like Tinder. But so really, what it was, it was like uh, it was a way to book celebrities and music uh, musicians to come to your birthday party yeah, or something. But but like you, the celebrity had to match. They had to like like what you were offering as well. You couldn't just inquire exactly to them. You couldn't send them an offer blindly they had to match up with you so like it's like say you're swiping through uh these people who are wanting celebrity say say i'm fucking nickelback's chad kroger and i'm swiping through this app and i see that there's some guy in nebraska who needs a, a shitty rock band to play at their birthday party and they're offering fifteen thousand dollars and and i see that and i go yeah, never made it as a wise man, but I could use $15,000. And so I swipe, you know, accept or whatever. So then, only then at that point can we uh, communicate with each other and a uh-huh. deal can be made. So that's what the Fire app was. 
And and in principle, sounds like it's not a bad idea. But when you dig deeper, you you find bullshit. It's, that's what's that's what happens with all fraud uh, cases. When you dig deeper, you find bullshit. And it seems like with the fire festival, especially. I, it just does not seem like there was a lot of thought put into uh, the booking uh, uh, of this uh, particular festival when it comes to people who bought the tickets, you know, from the people who paid for this festival. There wasn't a lot of thought up there in their brain when they were, th- you know, they didn't do extra research. They didn't really do any of that. They just went into it. But then some of them, they couldn't do it because of what. Uh, the uh, what Billy's company and what uh, fuck Jerry were doing. Yeah, let me stay. Let me stay on track with this before shit. you go. Before you go off too much. So they're promoting, you know, uh, the, their this booking app. Ja Rule had come to know McFarland through regular visits to events McFarland hosted at his previous venture, Magnesis. During a flight to the Bahamas, McFarland and Ja Rule's private plane touched down on a deserted island, which they later discovered was Norman's K the former private island of Carlos Rivas, a kingpin of the Medellin cartel. McFarland arranged to lease the island from the current owners on the strict condition that no reference be made to Pablo to the Pablo Escobar connection. Pablo Escobar was also in the Medellin cartel. Mm-hmm. The island footage with the hired supermodels used for the festival's promotional material was all shot on Norman's K, and planning for the festival went ahead. In early 2017, McFarland violated the terms of his contract when promotional video for the festival was released on social media, advertising Norman's K as, quote, once owned by Pablo Escobar. As if that's something to be proud of. I mean, the, I know, the, yeah. the douche factor in that, like, like, that's just like, like, guarantee you anybody who thought that was cool knows nothing about the uh, the horrible person that Pablo Escobar was. He, he and they even mentioned the documentary. Once that was tacked on in the ad, there was people messaging these people going, hey, Pablo Escobar killed my family. Pablo Escobar did this, that and the other. Pablo Escobar was not that great of a person. Now, from my rec- recollections, there are some people in South America who claim Escobar really uh, helped their, you know, their country and, uh-huh. you know, brought in a lot of uh, money so, and opportunity, etc. With Pablo, though, the reason why, and it was actually brilliant marketing, because uh, they're keeping tabs on, you know, social media and things like that. And Pablo Escobar, yes, he's notorious and he's infamous, but that's the thing. He's notorious and he's infamous. And he had power. And he had, you know, all this money and, you know, the drugs and, the, and, the, and all of that. And his aura is something, you know, that a lot of these airheaded individuals who were like, oh, wow, fire Festival. It's going to be so lit. They, they thought that, oh, man, you know, Pablo Escobar, that's dangerous. Right. I want to be a part of and that. And a lot of these people probably listen to, you know, uh, they're all into that, like, hip-hop culture and the music that mm-hmm. promotes violence. And there and, was that Netflix series, uh, Narcos. Yeah, so so it's all this, like, thing where, where it's like, it's cool. The bad guy is cool. Oh, man, bro, this island was once owned by Escobar. That's lit, fam. So the owners immediately canceled the arrangement uh, after that whole uh, Pablo Escobar thing was draw, uh, you know, thrown out. Uh, so then they had to search for a new island to to do this douchey uh, festival. After- and first of all, like they were trying to do this within six months, which is impossible. 
right to try to try to get everything together to get the axe to it, it's something that people in the documentary are talking about who are professionals they're like this 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 would have taken 18 months in advance at least at least yeah this is that goes along the theme of of billy's uh over promising um that he does quite often so after several small islands that seemed like likely venues were turned down, the Bahamian government gave McFarland a permit to use a site set aside for development at Roker Point on Great Exuma, just north of the Sandals Resort. Material released on social media continued to promote the falsehood that the festival was being hosted on Pablo Escobar's private island, with maps of the site altered to make it appear as if Roker Point was an island unto itself. <laughs> so you're seeing like uh, the early stages of the fraud right here. Yeah, because Broker Point is is just a parking lot, basically. That's really what it is. It's just gravel upon more gravel. And they and were there's like even they were gonna like modify the terrain. They were gonna do all this shit to make this seem like this was some kind of paradise. And not even with it, not even within six months because they announced it, but they didn't even start working on any of this until what, like two months or yeah, something? Yeah, like two or three months to to get all this shit done. And so, as I tell you the amenities that were supposed to be offered, you'll you'll see how this gets even crazier. So on December twelfth, two thousand sixteen, Kendall Jenner. Emily Radajowski and other influencers paid by fire simultaneously posted to their Instagram feeds an image of an orange square with a stylized logo of flames. Clicking the logo opened a promotional video showing Bella Hadid and other models represented by her agency running around a tropical beach. Text with the video promised, quote, an immersive music festival, two transformative weekends on the boundaries of the impossible. This was the beginning of the Fire Festival Festival's promotional campaign. And I have to say this about the promo, promotional campaign: it was brilliant. No, it was, and they had, and this is where fuck Jerry the or Jerry Media comes into play, which is like a big part in the whole fire fraud thing, because they even have uh, the guy who was the guy that you said his name earlier before. We Oren. Said, Oren. So. Axe. So the guy who started the company, or or he didn't start it; he was an employee. Okay. He was the one who devised the campaign, though. Yes. Okay. He was hired to do the campaign. So he's talking by Jerry Media. So he he's going on to explain, and this is actually pretty interesting. He's going on to explain how you know people are on their phones scrolling through Instagram, and your picture has something like 0.5 seconds to capture someone's interest with how fat you know how you're scrolling through everything. Because there's so many things are just, they look the same. Right. And so in marketing, they use uh, a term called like visual disruption to get people's attention to look at their advertisements. So they came up with an orange, basically an orange square. So you kind of almost have to know a little bit about Instagram to, to kind of get this. But with Instagram, it's just mainly pictures. It's not like Facebook where it's mainly text. So pictures are the like 90% of what you're seeing with a little bit of text under the picture. So as you scroll down through your phone, you're seeing, oh, there's that picture, there's that picture. And then all of a sudden you just see this orange square. It's going to catch your attention, especially when these huge influencers with millions of followers are all posting this at the same exact time. It's going to be yeah. like, wait, what? So anyway, an investor, fashion executive, Car Car Carola Jane reportedly arranged for fire to receive a $4 million loan, 
which the company okay. used most of. To- so just wanted to explain to you about like the connection between the orange. It wasn't just like, oh, here's like the fire, you know, this fire festival thing. It actually, you hover over the the image and you are able to press play and watch the promo video. And that pro- they show the promo video. And everything about this is just over-processed, uh, just completely unrealistic, and just screams fake. Like, nothing about this seems like it's legit. And, you know, but the fact that it just seems so amazing, and so uh, just once-in-a-lifetime type of an experience, uh, it, it just appealed to so many of these people who follow these influencers and it was just one of those things where even if it was, you know, it didn't matter. The, the thought didn't cross their mind that this is too good to be true. They're like, this is good. Yeah. And I mean, like even cruise liners, like in their commercials, they make they make their ship look like it's this amazing time. But when you show up to the these cruise liners, they actually do have water slides and buffets and entertainment. So they yeah. deliver. On, I mean, yeah, you may not be smiling with a beautiful woman the whole time. But I mean, they at least have the shit that's shown in the promotion, unlike unlike this i mean that video itself just showing like a bunch of average guys with like supermodels like you should have known right then and there that like yeah this is bullshit yeah like come on uh and uh i also want to mention i I like the term that uh oren used is we need to stop the internet yeah yeah, so they got this investor to invest $4 million or, uh, a loan that the company used to uh, to rent luxurious offices in Manhattan's Tribeca neighborhood. With no experience staging an event of the proposed festival scale, McFarland began approaching companies that did, which was smart, and he was reportedly taken aback when they told him the event would cost at least $5 million, perhaps even $12 million, to stage in the time available as he had promised. He and his associates at FIRE believed it would cost far less and continued <laughs> with their plans under that assumption. That, you don't know what you're doing. You've never done this before. It's like, Why, it's like professionals tell you, yeah, you, the, the, there's no way you can uh, do that in that time. Ah, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You only do this for a living, and I don't. Uh, no, I can yeah, do it. Exactly. I mean, really. <laughs> they tried to do things themselves where possible. McFarland supposedly learned how to rent the stage by doing a Google search. <laughs> so how arrogant this guy is. It's just like, it, it, it's it's hilarious. Like, he thinks like, oh, you know, he, th- he oh, I can do this. I don't need your help. Like. It's not going to cost that much. Scheduled scheduled for two weekends in April and May of 2017, the event sold day tickets from $500 all the way up to $1,500 and VIP packages including airfare and luxury tent accommodations for $12,000. Customers were promised accommodations in, quote, modern, eco-friendly, geodesic domes and meals from celebrity chefs. Again, preying on the douche factor here, mm-hmm. uh, you know, celebrity chefs, uh, modern fucking luxurious tents. Yeah. The final advertised lineup for more than 30 groups included Pusha T, Tyga, Designer, Blink-182, randomly sticking out like a sore thumb, Major Laser, Disclosure, Migos, Lil Yachty, I'm just naming the names that people might have heard of because some of these I haven't fucking heard of. Lay Youth, uh, B- Blondish, and Lee Burridge. 
Now, I can look at this lineup right here as, as a music enjoyer. Uh, you got hip-hop. I mean, this is all hip-hop and well, yeah. electronic, kind of electronic music. Uh, as, that's what's that's what's that's what's in right. That's what's popular Aside with, from with this core. Blink One Eighty Two being the huge yeah. outlier here, uh -huh. which funny enough, Blink One Eighty Two was like the one of the first acts to pull yeah, out, and they were the first act to, to pull out uh, publicly on Twitter. Yeah. Now, one thing I also want to mention is that these tickets, uh, they initially started out selling a certain number of these, like VIP, whatever, five hundred dollar to one hundred one one thousand dollar tickets, but when McFarlane, when he was in like really like deep shit, McFarlane, when not McFarlane, McFarlane, uh, when he was like in really deep shit in terms of uh, owing money and he's having to take all these different loans and from different sources and shit like that, he eventually, he did, they just canceled it. Like they had tickets, but they're like, no, they're sold out. You have to buy these more expensive packages. You have to buy a fucking villa for twenty five grand, or you have to do this. And people or, did, you know, twelve. People did exactly. That, and, and that's one. Of, that's one of the. It's shocking to me. That's some of the backlash that came from this was that yes, it it, it ended up being bullshit, but you know, everyone's looking at all this, going like, you know, this is these are a bunch of rich kids. These are people who have yeah. a lot of money, and boo hoo. They didn't get what uh, you know their trust fund uh, paid for, you know. So and that's what the media just took and took this whole thing and just ran with right. it. Right. So the festival's promotional material said that the festival would be held on a remote private island that once belonged to drug trafficker Pablo Escobar. Instead, workers were busy preparing Roker Point for the festival, scattering sand over its rocks, and improving a road to a nearby beach where they built some cabanas and installing swing sets. And some of these workers, like, they were working, like, around the yeah. clock. I oh, mean, yeah. three hours of sleep, uh, just busting their asses. And even, like, days before, like, when it got, like, days before the festival was forced to start, they were like, this is not going to happen. Oh, yeah. And there were, like, tons of them that just bailed. And there were people that actually stayed, they, they stayed overnight and worked on the fire festival the night before you know everything's supposed to go down and then there's a fucking rain there's a monsoon like a fucking giant rainstorm that happened that night and the whole and attitude the, the whole time with billy and co is this aloof fuck it bro let's let's get drunk this is epic yeah. this is crazy and it's like you just don't get it do you like you, you, there was you, this guy who they asked for his advice early on about whether or not they could do this, and he's like, "You're not going to be able to do this." And so, and, and uh, he works. He's on. He actually, I think he worked on the island, and he's interviewed, and he's you know once again like he was like, "All right, you know, you guys get your fucking done, you're partying and shit, you know." you know you realize that you know this is gonna be you know an undertaking like, like tomorrow you know, let's get... get to work and they're, yeah, and they're, and they're just like, like chill out dude sit down shut up chill out yeah yeah this is man this is like this is like america at its worst because not only uh do, do you see all this going on but then you show it shows like the bohemian people and like they're these very like honest, good people, industrious, hardworking mm -hmm. people, and then you got this American douche coming into the Bahamas, uh, uh, ignoring 
the uh, rules and regulations and the, the, the tariffs uh, and this, that, and the other. And he's just... He's not even paying customs. He's not paying certain things either. He's just taking advantage of the, the, the bohemian people and, and just throwing his fucking weight around like just your typical American slob and just giving our country an even worse reputation than it already has to the rest of the world. So you really feel bad for the people of the Bahamas, too, because yeah. it's like, oh, man, you know, another time. Well, there was a lot of them that they did not get paid. Yeah. You know, just yet another time America, you know, uh, uh, on behalf of this douche, you know, representing our American country. American opulence. Yeah. Just coming in and raping another country, you know, for their, uh, you know, their their good nature and the naivete. On the mainland, 5,000 tickets had been sold and an air service was hired to charter festival goers from Miami. A medical services company and caterer were, all, were also hired, but the latter withdrew a, free, a few weeks before the festival. With only two weeks to go, a new catering service with a $1 million total budget was hired, drastically reduced from the $6 million originally allocated to provide for what was promised as, quote, uniquely authentic island cuisine, local seafood, Bahamian-style sushi, and even a pig roast, Mike. Yeah, didn't even get any of that. They just got roasted. <laughs> a um, fucking pig roast. <laughs> yeah. First of all, I see that. I When I say pig roast, I'm thinking of like an entire pig with like a spit through its mouth yeah. coming out its ass yeah. and it's being twirled around a fire. I'm sorry. I don't. That's a little too real for me. I want my pig meat already like not resembling. I don't know. A, Have you had like actual roasted pig? It's it's really good. I I bet I bet it would be, but like I it's just a little too real for me. Like I like to be the out of sight, out of mind thing. I know. Yeah, I, I don't think most of these people who paid for this festival would really give a shit. Well, see, just, it's authentic, man. It's a pig roast, you know, authentic Bahamian style pig roast, man. I figured like with just this generation, the Centennials, I figured half of them would be vegans. Um, well, some of them, yeah, that would be. Um, also. <laughs> they spent like like they they what happened uh they eventually got like an investor like this guy like they were really in mcfarland he was in really deep shit got some investment from some shady guy he was offering like 120 percent uh interest rate on his loan it was like you need to pay me five hundred thousand dollars in like 16 days and they managed to do it by conning people again with these wristbands like and that was a normal thing, like at Coachella, and they even brought up Coachella and a few other things earlier. That was crazy. The Coachella when it's a, when it's uh, when it first came out, its inception, it was not. The whole purpose was it was not some elite thing. It wasn't for people uh, that were just affluent and had all of the fucking money. It, it was. It was. It was it like was a. It was like a field and some bands at yeah. a reasonable price, and then it became this destination. A place to be seen. I mean, and that's why I said earlier in the podcast, festivals are douchey to me because it's now yeah. a place to be seen. Well, look what happened to Woodstock. Woodstock 1999. Right. I mean, I did a whole I did a whole fucking YouTube video on what that turned into. But I mean, you, you know, you got kind of the stereotypical image of, in your head of the, of the young white girl with the, the Indian headdress on, you know, at the at the Coachella Festival. Taking pictures for the for their Instagram. Right, exactly. So it's just this this douche factor. So in March of 2017, Fire also hired a veteran event producer, Yaron Levy, who saw that it was impossible to hold the sort of event McFarland and Ja Rule envisioned at the site. He assumed they would postpone the event to November as they had been discussing since they were not ready. 
But after Fire told him they would stage the event in the spring anyway, claiming weather would ruin the event, Lavie told them to abandon plans for temporary villas and instead erect tents, the only accommodation that could be delivered in the time remaining. Lavie advised Fire to make this clear to those who had already bought tickets as otherwise it would be damaging to their brand. He says the company assured him that an email was being prepared, but he is not sure if it was sent. Then we have Comcast, Comcast yep. Ventures. They considered investing $25 million in the app, which McFarland apparently hoped would allow him to finance the festival, but smartly declined days beforehand. Well, they did because I think it was a lawyer or somebody, the one that eventually the whistleblower. put together the $100 million lawsuit. He ended up contacting uh, Comcast. Yeah. He was like, you know, this is not legit. The, you know, don't do this. And they interviewed the lawyer in the documentary. And that this guy is just like a hero to me. Like, yeah. like this guy started a, a, a fi- fire fraud Twitter page way before anybody knew what yeah. was going on. Well, he also tried to, you know, he thought that would, that would end it. But uh, Jerry Media, they ended up uh, doing a pretty shady thing and ended up just censoring like, thousands of comments and everything and just you know they would block they would blocking block, people yeah, they would block yeah. all these keywords like they they like fire fraud it, like they even even down to like if you festival it, yeah festival or even <laughs> yeah even if you put like anything like you know when, when you know where's my ticket or where's this that and the other like the shit that should not be a blocked keyword they were blocking yeah. it all. They didn't want anything that's, to come that's, through. That's what happened. That's why there were so many of these people who bought, all, paid all this money for this festival who didn't back out of it because they couldn't see any of the uh, dissent. They couldn't see any of the proof. But I think they probably could have if they got outside of their bubble of Instagram and Twitter and some of these other places. And I don't know, like, did other bits of research. Like, I don't know, saw that Wall Street Journal article. I don't know. But even that when that article came out, like the lawyer, he thought that would kill it. But then Vogue and some of these other places, they're coming back out, firing back. And the influencers are firing back with their own defenses. And it's all you know, fueled by typical, money. Like, it's all fueled by money. That's yeah. a funny thing. So it's like you can you can almost you can almost make anything you want happen in the social media sphere if you have enough money to to gas yourself up in that way and make and make things seem that's exactly what happened with Fire Festival. There was nothing there. It was all just uh it was just it was just a fucking smoke. There was no fi- there was no actual fire. So, writing for New York Magazine, one of the event organizers later noted that since at least mid-March there were significant problems with the planning and at one point it was agreed to outright cancel the 2017 festival in favor of working to perfect a 2018 one. These plans, however, were revoked in the last minute with the decision to go on with the event as planned. And one of the douchiest quotes that I've read so far, quote, let's just do it and be legends, man. One of the organizers is reported to have said, see, this is what I'm talking about. The douche factor here, the aloofness, the complete uh, just uh, out of your mind no connection with reality mentality that was going on here. Well, oh, oh yeah, the no connection with reality. That's the defense that uh, Billy would have. Yeah, you know, that's what I'm saying. To his girlfriend. He just, I wasn't connected with reality. Bullshit. You knew exactly what you were doing. So later that month, Page Six began reporting rumors that the festival organizers were too disorganized and in over their heads. After the Comcast deal fell through, McFarland obtained some temporary financing for fire through investor Ezra Birnbaum, 
that required the company to repay at least $500,000 of the loan within 16 days, which is what you were talking about earlier. Around the same time, Fire informed ticket holders that the event would be, quote, cashless and cardless and encouraged attendees to put up to $1,500 in advance on a digital fire band to cover incidentals, according to one lawsuit. Each attendee would be issued a RFID-equipped smartwatch-like ID to use in Ireland. This was despite advisors warning McFarlane that such digital bracelets would be useless because of poor Wi-Fi connection at that site. McFarland, who signed the email, suggested that attendees upload $300 to $500 for every day they plan to attend. About $2 million was uploaded to these yep. bracelets, 40% of which, according to a lawsuit later filed by Birnbaum, was used by McFarland to pay off the yep. short-term loan. Of course. So, That's exactly what those were for. So people were doing all of this stuff. They were. It's like not only did they... But, you know, they didn't pick up on the red flags. No, it, it's it's like out of nowhere. Now all of a sudden we have to buy this digital bracelet. I'm not bringing cash. I'm not bringing a card to this event. Everything's on this fucking bracelet, and, and people were going, "Okay, take my money," and not just not just fifty bucks, three to five hundred dollars yeah. per fucking day. That's the thing, man. Like that. That's why nobody had sympathy on these kids because they were all rich kids. It's like fuck you. I mean, I couldn't put three hundred, five hundred. No, you know, that's insane. A digital thing. That three hundred dollars is my year budget for any kind of concert that's I want to go paycheck. to. <laughs> that's my budget for the that's year. My entire paycheck. If I want to go to for a month. If I want to go to like a show or anything extracurricular, three hundred is about the max I'm willing to spend on concerts merch at the concerts that's about it and that's per day fuck you so well speaking of two million also like after the smartwatch you know the whole uh the digital bracelet fraud and after he was he got and it was like such a douche like i mean billy's such a douche because like in like, right after he gets the loan or whatever, he's like, let's go jet skiing. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah, he just, he's one of these guys. He does not give that, a no, shit. He, he doesn't get it, and he doesn't, uh, he just. His head is always in the clouds and always up his ass at the same time. It's it's like he wants to be this, like, this mogul, this young, rich, tycoon, mogul type well, yeah, figure. Yeah, he wanted to be the next, uh, oh, what the fuck is his name? I should know his name. The guy from Facebook. Oh, Mark Zuckerberg. He wanted to be the next Zuckerberg. Yeah. So early in the morning of April 27th, heavy rain fell on Great Exuma, which soaked the open tents and mattresses piled out in the open air for guests' arrivals later that day. So, folks. Well, that's a problem anyway. So that there's just mattresses yeah. piled So out. let's talk. Okay. So your uh, eco-friendly, uh, amazing, uh, luxurious tent is a FEMA tent. There are a bunch yep. of FEMA tents with mattresses, just crappy little single mattresses, or maybe a double, you know. Well, and not all of them have a mattress in them. I mean, there's like 50 of them that had a mattress. Piled out in the open air. No protection yeah. against any kind of rain. <laughs> Dude, when I saw the conditions of what actually yeah. was there, I, I had one of the biggest laughs I've had in a long time. It was hilarious. Well, I, I, cra I cracked up, too, at, at the reaction. I'm sorry, the school bus. So first off, you should have known something was off when you, you got on the plane, and it's not 
a luxury plane. Yeah, it's not like a some plane. little puddle jumper. Yeah. And and then when you get there, you get on a school bus <laughs> to go to the island. But even still, these influencers are like, you know, still kind of lit, bro, and blah, blah, blah. And then they, they, they go to the area where the event's happening and they see like, ah, dude some of them started crying some of them started crying which is like and and everybody was like what the fuck yeah so the first flights from miami international airport to exuma international airport operated by swift air and extra airways landed at 6 20 a.m that afternoon blink 182 announced that it was withdrawing from the festival stating in a twitter post that quote we're not confident that we would have what we need to give you the quality of performances we always give our fans. Initial arrivals were brought to a, quote, impromptu beach party at a beachside restaurant where they were plied with alcohol and kept waiting for around six hours while frantic preparations at the festival site continued. Speaking of alcohol, uh, Billy and company, they blew $2 million on alcohol for the festival. Well, it was the who spends two million dollars on fucking alcohol, and then what makes it even crazier is that in the Bahamas, the tax is super high. Yeah, so they pay they they paid like what ninety thousand dollars in customs tax nine hundred thousand in customs taxes. Yeah, yeah. So, so everyone's having to like wait around, and and so. The people are there. The people who paid for the event are fucking there, yep. and you're still like not even two percent ready, and you and you're nope. and they're still like scramp. That would be like that would be like if I held a concert here in Jacksonville and I invited all these people to the show and I hadn't written a song. And they're arriving to the show and I'm in the green room in the back, like trying to throw together a song and I need to fill a two hour set and I'm working on my first song. That's kind of like analogous to what's going on. So later arrivals were brought directly to the grounds where the true state of the festival site became apparent. Festival goers were dropped off at the production bungalow where McFarlane and his team were based so they could be registered. But after hours of long lines, the process broke down and turned into a free-for-all as people rushed to claim their own well, tents. Well, it turned into a free-for-all because Billy told them to... Yeah, just go grab to, a tent. Yeah, he got up on a table and was like, just go get a tent. Around nightfall, a group of local musicians took the stage and played for a few hours. The, on <laughs> the only act to, to perform at the event. <laughs> And you can only imagine the quality of what that would have been like. Who knows? Oh my God. Who the fuck knows? I was just imagining like if if, if they did they did book uh, acts. Like it wasn't a local musician. It was just they managed to book acts, but it's like the shittiest acts. You know, it's like people who haven't you know been in the public eye for for years are like shitty rappers, like Master P. Shit, they would like, admit. I'm like thinking the, they probably got some local cover band to come down and play like fucking <laughs> sweet, uh, uh, sweet home Alabama or some shit. Crap, I'm just imagining like crappily at that. Not even like do it well. Not even a good cover band. <laughs> just like the cover band at the local pub. Hey, can you guys yeah. like do three hours for a bunch of millennial douchebags? They're probably looking <laughs> at each other. All right, Bill, this is our big break, Bubba. Grab your harmonica. We got to rock. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys like Three Dog Night? Well, we know their whole catalog. 
Here comes, uh, what is that? Joy to the fishes in the deep blue sea. Joy to you and me. So, um. No, I was just thinking of rack, r- rappers because it's a hip hop thing. Yeah, I know. So you just uh, have, like, you know, but, hack rappers like Biz Marquee doing Baby Jew. No, it'd have to be like. Got what I need. It, it'd have to be like fucking, like, the opening act for Crisscross in, like, the 90s. It'd have to be someone so obscure. <laughs> or just fucking Crisscross because Crisscross is so obscure right now. I feel like they would. These- I feel like they wouldn't even do it. Like, you know, they had that one hit, you know. I, I don't no, know. No, what I'm just saying, like, in yeah. terms of, like, that. that's the type of. That's how, that's that how low on the totem to pole that, that they could get to. Yeah, so. So, uh, in the early morning, it was announced that the festival would be postponed and that the attendees would be returned to Miami as soon as possible. Now, one thing I will say here, not all of the attendees got this crappy treatment. Some. Yeah. Some. The, the, the influencer, one of the major influencers. Yeah. One of the big chicks, it was some hot little centennial. Uh, she's fucking bitch. I'm sorry. Yeah, she was. Really, honestly, because she just comes across as just, just very, a very bitch. aloof, very aloof, uh, a very aloof and, and just very nonchalant about the whole thing. She's like, I just feel really bad, but I'm just like, we had a good time and our, she, so like some of them were given these nice villas in this, mm-hmm. this, this VIP treatment. Granted, they still didn't see a concert because no one was going to see that because it didn't happen because none of the band signed off on it. But well, but they didn't have to fucking you know, run over people and, you know, do a mad dash for a fucking mattress and a tent. Yeah, and, be- and, because, and because this was, you know, 2017, everybody, there's there's so much footage of this shit. Everybody was documenting yeah. the whole thing. So there's video of the conditions. There's video of the bitch in her people nice villa. like having fucking, having fucking mattresses. They're running <laughs> with mattresses. The, uh... The when they get their luggage, you know, like where's our luggage? It's just like in fucking uh, cra- in, in like uh, storage containers, like in trailers. Yeah, and the luggage is fucking- literally being tossed out of the trailer. And yeah, so then it's like some mad dash for people's luggage, which that's dangerous. That's asking for trouble. And you know the disaster relief tents. They had dirt floors when the mattresses were soaking wet. Uh, the lack of housing assignments caused guests to leave with no place to sleep. There was an unfinished gravel lot, lack of medical personnel or event staff. There's no cell phone or internet service because they didn't pay for it. Portable toilets weren't there either. Uh, there's no running water, but I guess there was running water in some place, like a shower, but it was like green. It was like nasty. Inadequate and poor quality food. There's like cheese sandwiches. Oh, the cheese. That's your gourmet. The cheese sandwiches in the in the foam containers. That was such a great like, it just the antithesis of what a celebrity chefs with unique bohemian cuisine. <laughs> Fucking cheese sandwiches. Not even grilled cheese, mind you. Two sli- slices of white bread, not toasted, with a piece of American cheese in the middle and like maybe a let a lettuce Some leaf, tomatoes. Uh, a tomato or something. It looked like the dankest public school food stamp lunch I have ever seen. I, I, I wouldn't have eaten it. And then you had crates upon crates of alcohol. Yeah, so... Just all of these... The crates, as far as the eye can see, of fucking alcohol. Which shows alcohol. you the dude's, like, priorities, you know? Like, all this other shit, not important, but we need to have booze. That, that I have to make sure, is there. Because, you know, what's better than a hot, sweaty, annoyed mob than a hot, sweaty, drunk, annoyed mob? 
Many attendees were reportedly stranded as flights to and from the island were canceled after a government order yeah. that barred any and more planes. And they showed planes. the footage. Yeah, I mean, that and, was... And honestly, I'm almost like, serves you right. You fell for this fucking bullshit, you know? You fell for this fraud, hook, line, and sinker. You should have to fucking suffer and wait so you can learn a fucking lesson. Yeah, <laughs> don't be an Instagram influencer. Don't be a douche. So, uh, many attendees are... The first flight back to Miami boarded at 1.30 a.m. on April 28th, but was delayed for hours due to issues with the flight's manifest. So, basically, there was, like, I think there was one extra person on the flight yeah, that was... it was supposed to be 111, and there was, it was on the manifest, but there was 112 Yeah, people. so it's like, whoa, 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 we can't, uh, we can't, uh, can't have that, so everyone has to get off the plane, which, God, that must have been a kick in the balls when you think you're finally gonna leave. So, it was canceled after sunrise, and passengers were locked... And they gotta wait in this really cramped, uh, waiting area... There's a fucking douchebag who's plastered fucking oil in himself, <laughs> you know? which is yeah. which is exactly what I expected to see from a, a something like that. Honestly, some some <laughs> some muscular bro douche who's all oiled up and drunk. Um, uh, they actually locked them in overnight. So, yeah, there was people passing out from heat. One had to be hospitalized. The flight eventually left Exuma that morning, and more charter flights to Miami departed from Exuma throughout the day. So, uh, you can take all the involved parties part if you want to. Okay, so um, with 3.1 million in venture capital to date and 25 employees, McFarland also founded a card company called Magnesis, which promised members paying an annual $250 fee that they could unlock their cities and take their lives to the next level. Including private members-only concerts, tasting with notable chefs, and exclusive art previews in top galleries. The Washington Post reported that some of those benefits never materialized or were far from what was advertised. They send the same email for every problem, but it's fill in the blanks for what the problem is. Magnesis reportedly became profitable in 2015. Now, he was also doing stuff with Magnesis, like, example, uh, he was selling uh, VIP tickets to the musical Hamilton. But the tickets were canceled at the last minute. In a complaint to, a complaint to the Better Business Bureau, one customer seeking a refund reported getting no response to multiple queries over a month and a half. Uh, but in the documentary, he says they actually did. He actually did pass out the tickets because what he would end up doing is he would get them like the night of the show pay like a crazy amount of money and then he would always have to keep buying tickets to keep ahead of you know to actually keep afloat he'd, like yeah, he'd, he'd actually have to, rob to make Pe a profit he'd have to rob peter to pay paul it was a pyramid thing yeah he had going on it's a pyramid scheme he was going on like oh now okay now i gotta p buy super bowl tickets to pay for the hamilton tickets and so on and so forth so, Fire Festival was promoted on Instagram by Kendall Jenner. She was paid $250,000. She's since deleted the post. Bella Hadid, Emily Wachowski, Haley Baldwin, Elsa Hosk, Channel Iman, Laz Ribeiro, Alessandra Ambrosio, Shauna Sheikh, Nadine Le Leopold, Rose Bertram, Giselle Ovilera, and Hannah Ferguson, and other niche actresses and personalities. Ratchetowski was importantly the only actress or model to use the hashtag ad, but has also since deleted the post. Only later it was reported that Jenner and others have been paid to make the post something they were required to under federal law to disclose. 
The Federal Trade Commission said hashtag ad only worked if the beginning of paid posts and the hashtag alone was not a sufficient disclaimer. Hadid has acknowledged and apologized for participating in the promotion. Uh, Baldwin revealed that she's donated her retirement payment to charity, entire payment to charity after seeing the aftermath of the event. Yeah, that's nice, now, but now, that's, it's damage control. Any of those, that's all that any is. Any of those names that Mike just named off, does, does that ring a bell with any of you guys out there? I, I doubt it. That, that's just. And then Ja Rule, he posted a note on Twitter that says, it was not a scam, and this is not my fault. Typical pussy. Just running from, uh, it's like, dude, you made your pile of shit. At least stand by your shit pile. Yeah. And he's actually trying to still scam people with the Icon app or whatever, which is just the Fire app, but with a different name. Then- um. So, yeah, there's a $100 million lawsuit of, that was uh, started by uh, the lawyer who started the Fire Fraud uh, Twitter account. And uh, so that's still going on, I believe. There was other lawsuits that were filed against Ja Rule, against McFarland, against Fire Media, against uh, Jerry Media is also getting uh, thrown in there, too. Uh, Billy himself, he was actually sentenced. He was uh, sentenced to six years in prison for various different counts of fraud, wire fraud, stuff like that. And in the interviews, like he's trying to like, it's like he's not admitting to any of it. And it's like, dude, like you admitted on paper, like that you did this, like you're guilty. But here you are on film trying to be like, I can't, I can't say that. That's what I'm saying. I don't even know why he, I don't even know why he participated in that documentary because it's like, if your position is just going to be, I don't want to, I can't talk about that. I can't speak on that. Bitch, why are you here? I mean, you're just making yourself look more guilty. You're asking like. Well, I mean, look at his body language. He is clearly fucking, he's squirming. He's also clearly lying in multiple instances, because you can tell by his body language. Um, He's trying to call in the interviewer, and the interviewer's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I got yeah, all the facts I, right I, here. Yeah. Everyone, <laughs> wants to, everyone wants a piece of this guy, because, I mean, you just, you, when, you, when you actually get a douche like this in your sights, it's like, oh, no, I'm not taking it easy on you. Exactly. Um... He, six years, I think, is not That's a enough slap for him. on the wrist, as far as I'm concerned, for that level. Uh, and then you got like, I mean, the wire fraud he did was was deliberate. Like he was there's there's evidence that's provided in the documentary screenshots of like emails and stuff with wire transfers that have the uh, what is it the tracking numbers blurred out. He actually falsified documents to make it look like he had more clout than he really did in order to get all these extra loans and shit. He was even telling his own employees that the Comcast deal was going to come through and they didn't know until last minute that, nope, not happening. So, you know, because the Comcast, he's trying to act like, oh, the Fire app and Comcast is invested and he's trying, he's, f- he's fudging the numbers for, uh, you know uh the stuff with uh the credit card and with all these other things like it's just like one person said like he just he has like the need to con people injected into his veins <laughs> yeah so well good way to put it i mean speaking of conning people then you got the ad agency fuck jerry which has been in uh they've been in a lot of hot water because uh they've been accused of stealing people so they're they're they started out as an instagram account and they became a marketing account but they became mm-hmm. big basically for taking memes that other people created and reposting it on their Instagram page. Yep. And, you know, they say they credit them, but 
I mean, it's like buried in the. Well, also they're doing they're taking these memes that other people created and and selling them. Yeah, essentially to these uh, advertisers. The one they I remember them pointing out that I think Wendy's used was the the one with the grandma on the surfboard with the fake wave behind yep. it, and the meme was a uh, haters gonna say this is photoshopped, and yeah. they Wendy's somehow they they took that meme and re repurposed it for to to fit Wendy's ad campaign or whatever it's like yeah that's straight up i mean a lot of people feel like memes are like uh public domain which i kind of feel like to a certain degree they are but if you're trying to pass off something as like this is our original content it's like no dude that's like you just took something that anyone could have done and you're like selling it well for me personally definitely fuck fuck jerry because they're they're a bunch of fucking douches too because of the fact that they're just taking advantage of people and so on and so forth. They knew exactly what this was. They had they had to have known this wasn't going to happen. This was a fraud from the start. But they took the job, you know, because it was money. You know, they're getting money and they're getting popularity and they're getting their name out there and their brand out there. That's all they really care about. Yeah. I, I respect the guy, though, who actually was hired to work on this campaign and he, he eventually left. I respect him because he actually came out on, in, in public and on the, in this documentary and you know, exposed everything. I think he was. I know, think he was just trying to save face at that point, though, to a certain extent. He was trying to save face, but at the same time, I give him a lot of respect for that because he actually was willing to do that. There's a lot of people who wouldn't. They just leave, let their lawyers take yeah, care of it. Yeah, and and honestly, I feel like if and he's not painted in the most flattering light either. I feel like if all these people involved were not millennials, like Billy McFarlane and this other guy from Fuck Jerry, I feel like if they were from the, like Gen X or something, I feel like they wouldn't have appeared in the documentary because. They'd yeah. be like, that's not in my best interest, but I, I love I love Oren's response though to like uh, uh Jerry Media and them trying to say like, oh, you know, da 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 we were just doing our job and blah 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 and we have no uh association with Oren and da 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 and he's like and he's like, Oh fuck you. It's like fuck <laughs> I, I love. I mean, that wouldn't he be ha- wouldn't he be happy that they're saying that they're not associated with him? Because I mean, aren't they a tainted well, well, brand? Well, I think what they're trying. Well, I think what they're trying to say is that you know it was him. It wasn't really they. They didn't have anything to do. You know, with it was all Billy and so on and so forth. And and da 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 da. da. They're trying to act like they didn't really have a, a, a stake in this, or like they didn't really come up with their own ideas to market this and that's absolute bullshit billy billy's not smart enough he thinks he's smart he thinks he's intelligent but he's actually pretty fucking dumb when it comes to a lot of these things as you can tell and so that's why he hired them because he knew he couldn't do it himself so i guarantee goddamn t he's not the one that was telling them you know to do everything it's a bunch of bullshit so he was sentenced to six years in uh, prison in October 11th of 2018, Billy, uh, and uh, he was ordered to forfeit $26 million for wire fraud. It's a lot of money. That's a huge chunk of change. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who will get out or he'll get uh, he'll get out early because of good behavior and shit. Well, the documentary there is going to con people some more because, like, he did it right after, like I mentioned earlier. Like, he gets indicted, he's on bail, and he tries to do another fraud. Yeah, he, it's in his blood. He can't help himself. He's sending out emails to people about exclusive tickets for stuff that there's not even any tickets available for. 
like the Victoria's Secret fashion show. Yeah, you don't. You so don't. They so don't. Forth. You can't buy tickets to the Victoria's Secret fashion show. You have to be invited. So yeah, I mean, I guess that's all I really have to say about. It. That's all. Well, I just want to briefly mention his girlfriend, who's just totally naive and like, I mean, really, come on, like, how do you not? Why are you still with this fucking guy? She, like, I mean, that's some of the people. It's like, how, you know, you should have, like, as soon as he was indicted and everything, like, she did research. She did research and figured out what he was doing. And, and it wasn't enough for her to leave him, apparently. Because he's got a good heart and da, da 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 and so on and so forth. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it's none of the other stuff, like promises of living the high life and all that. He's fucking manipulating her. That's what he's doing. That's what he's good at. Yeah. He's, he's playing her like a heart from well, hell. She, she sounded like she was Russian, too. Like, she definitely wasn't, like, natively, you know... I think she might have been, like... She, I think she's a model. Like, it seems yeah, like well, she's yeah, a model. Well, yeah, I mean, clearly. But she she's not native to this country, so maybe that has something to do with it, too. I don't maybe know. she is. I don't know for sure. No, she definitely had a, a, I'm not, a foreign well, I'm accent. Not, hey, you can have foreign accents and, and be an American citizen. I don't really like how you said hey to me in that tone. <laughs> seem very aggressive you're like hey wow like, it, it sounded like you were trying to educate me just then mike hey i'll uh, have you know really... buddy you don't have to uh, be foreign whatever you said i'm too hungry to remember what it was but uh anyway i'm getting hangry right now relax oh no, <laughs> exactly uh, no i know i won't be able to relax until i have that turkey sandwich in my stomach that's in the refrigerator right now that is literally i hear it vocally calling out to me right now <laughs> Turkey sounds weird when it calls out because it doesn't have like normal vocal cords. It's like <laughs> kind of how it sounds. So it sounds like when the epic rap battles of history yeah. guy finishes the intro. Battles of history. Who won? <laughs> Who's next? So yeah, I'm waiting for the Billy McFarland uh, rap battle with someone else. Billy McFarland <laughs> versus uh, uh, fucking uh, who? Who can we do? I don't know Bernie Madoff. I don't know enough. I don't know enough about <laughs> well, him. I, I definitely. So I want to point out one last thing is I, I love the statement that uh, one of the guys who was working with uh, Billy says to describe him. You know, he actually he he was actually he was I, he was one of the guys who was in the Bahamas and was hired to work on the fire festival and still hasn't gotten paid. And he was asking the filmmakers like, "Can I swear? Can I say this?" And he's just like, "He's a fuck shot." It's a perfect way to describe him. I've never heard that before until now. I'm going to use that a lot more. <laughs> Billy's a textbook fuck shot. Fantastic. Fuck shot because he's trying, you know, for example, you know, he's trying to, it's one of those things where he's just fucking with people. He's taking his shot. So that is the fire festival and our take on it. Uh, I feel like we covered the basics pretty good. If you want to see the documentary on Hulu, you definitely should. Um, and you can check out the Netflix one if you want to. But keep in mind, Jerry Media is is a co-producer on that. And Vice. Yeah. Has, has the tables turned on Vice? Because I remember they were respected at one point. Is it? Are they like not? Oh, they're not. They're not as respected as it once were. Or, what's sure. the deal with them? Are they seen as like? Well, did you hear about their stupid? Vi they tried to. They had a TV network. Yeah, I remember trying to appeal to millennials. Yeah, I remember that TV network. They used to do documentaries on like marijuana and, and prisoners and shit. And and that that doc that network I think is already folded or is going to like it's a disaster. And they've also been doing a lot of articles where. They've been just trying to be woke and shit, oh, and you okay. know, 
social justice you need, warriors you need, and you needn't say more mike i i'm on your side now <laughs> um, all right so that's the end of our podcast if you want to join our facebook group it's uh, go to facebook and type in uncovering unexplained mysteries you can join our group on there very v- vibrant community of passionate listeners of uh unsolved mysteries and stuff like this uh because it's a very diverse broad awesome group um and if you want to support us on Patreon to get the podcast early, most of the times, uh, do that by going to patreon.com slash uncovering unexplained mysteries. Mike's doing some UFO thing sometime in the distant future that uh, may or may not happen. Um, we'll just see if, if he does that. Hopefully he does. Hey, I got a spring break coming up. All right. Soon. Look at that. I'll have time to do cool. that. <laughs> um, and you can find me and Mike separately, but always equally and entertainingly on YouTube. You can find Mike at youtube.com slash OCP communications. He's the guy who talks about the movies and he has opinions about them. Mike, what was the last movie you talked about? Well, the last movie I talked about was a uh, overlooked uh, direct-to-video movie. Well, not, no, it, it had like a limited theatrical run, but it's pretty much obscure called A Hunter's Blood. It's a fun movie, but the last uh, video I uploaded was on uh, different various appearances of RoboCop, the character, and other uh, different um, movies and TV shows and advertisements. It was inspired by the KFC ads to kind of just take a deep dive into other RoboCop stuff. So I gave my thoughts on appearances in Robot Chicken and in Family Guy and then talked about there was like it was briefly in the Indian in the cupboard, in a scene where like a RoboCop toy comes to life along with Darth Vader and like a T Rex from Jurassic Park, and then I talked about uh, I did a live reaction actually to with complete with footage with video to uh, other RoboCop ads and the WCW appearance. No, oh, that sounds yeah. RoboCop was actually in WCW the pro- cross promote uh, RoboCop two. And then I, I, I finished it up by talking about RoboCop the Ride. It was actually, there was a ride in the 90s at Granada Studios in the UK. That sounds like a fun video to watch. So go on over to Mike's channel and check that out. You can find me on YouTube at youtube.com slash dancing with ghosts. And uh, I do videos on all kinds of things, usually uh, like TV shows, music. I do reviews on a bunch of different stuff taste testing. I really do too many things. I'm like the fucking golden crowd of YouTubers. I have something for everybody. Um, and it's of the same quality as well as Golden Crow. Um, my last video was a re-upload I did, uh, called what TV shows are even on MTV anymore. Remember MTV? Yeah, I thought you did another one. Yeah, no, what happened was I did a, a video where I explore what TV shows are on MTV in 2019 and should you give the channel another chance? And, uh, in short, no, uh, MTV is fucking awful. Uh, nowadays they are a shell of what they used to be the innovative music platform and animation platform they used to be counterculture oh, they were That's they were totally vibe. awesome especially in the like the like the early 90s or the and mid 90s now they're the complete opposite of what they used to be they're the thing that they were making fun of yeah they are on, the, on a regular basis they are the buzzfeed of uh of uh, fucking tv networks so uh, i go into what shows are still on there and i basically rip them all new assholes but what happened was one of the shows that's still on MTV is that stupid 16 and Pregnant show. And uh, Viacom just, just swooped in and, and... Oh, it's Viacom. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and that, they had one... There was one clip I used in my video 
in particular that they had problems with. I used a bunch of clips from MTV shows, but the 16 and pregnant one was the one that got me flagged. So I was like, you know what? This video is too good for me to just let it. I mean, it got blocked in all countries, so you can't see the original one. So I uh-huh. went in, I took out the offending clip and re-uploaded it. Um, so yeah, that's that's the technically the newest video on my channel. So uh, yeah. Uh, Did you still talk about it? Though? Oh yeah, I still like a picture. Yeah, I, still, I put a picture over it. I still talked about it. Oh, okay. Absolutely. Because fuck them. You know, they're not going to they're not going to silence me that easily. So anyway, that's the podcast, folks. I feel like this was... Would you ever think about doing another one? Uh, like a sequel? Um, well, I mean, maybe. That <laughs> one, the the original video I did didn't... I mean, it didn't do bad, but it didn't do great either. So it might be like a, one of those slow burn videos I have that in six months from now, it'll get, you know, a couple thousand views or something, but... I don't know. We'll maybe if you have a clickbait title like MTV is BuzzFeed or something. Yeah. Maybe more people. Dude, I feel like you could honestly like start a career just coming up with great thumbnails and video titles for people. Like, well, not you specifically, but I feel like that's... Oh, there are people that probably already yeah, do Yeah, because like literally your thumbnail and title is like probably 70% of if your video would be successful or but not. But some of the thumbnails are just so lame. Like somebody like with their mouth open all the time, you know, like, oh, wow. You know, it's, it's yeah, just so... I can't bring myself to do that shit. I just can't. It's not <laughs> worth it. But anyway, this is our episode this week. I felt like it was a really good episode. I felt very um, engaged the whole time because I'm very passionate about this uh, particular kind of stuff. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy it too. Uh, until next week, uh, we will talk to you later. And please don't get into a car wreck or anything like that and die. Uh, bye. See ya. Ladies and gentlemen, my band Dancing with Ghosts' new album is finally complete. The name of the album is Hex. I've taken all my best songs and put them onto one album. Some tracks have been remastered. Some have been remixed. Some songs are completely new, like the one you're hearing in the background. Plus, Stephanie, the second lead singer of this band, has been added to all the songs that were previously off my first album, Koi and Eskazi. There's new artwork, pictures, lore. That's right, I said lore. And lyrics to every song in this eight-page booklet. This album is exclusively available in CD format right now on Bandcamp.com. No Spotify yet. The link is available in the bio of this podcast. Also, Stephanie and I will happily sign any album that is purchased. Thank you again for your amazing support. Didn't mind her.